Have you ever thought about how incredibly complex our spit is? It may only be 99% water, but just saliva isn't simple. That remaining 1% holds incredibly meaningful information that could change everything. And I'm not just talking about your family tree. Hi, I'm Baratunde Thurston, and on this season of Spit, an iHeartRadio podcast with 23andMe, we explore how DNA isn't just about ancestry. It can also be key to understanding your health. Yo, it's Baratunde. Welcome back. Samantha McVeigh and Annie Reese are no strangers to tackling the tough questions. Their show, Stuff Mom Never Told You, is a wildly successful go-to for conversations on what it is to identify as female. And with research-based discussions around feminism and how it impacts everyday life, it's no wonder they have an audience the size of a small country. So for this episode, I was especially interested in how they would tackle the question of health and DNA, and how our genetic makeup not only holds the keys to our past, but can reveal certain health insights that may impact our future. As an adoptee, especially a transracial adoptee, Samantha shares how it's not unusual to seek out more information about one's biological family, but to date, information about her health history has remained a mystery. She's taken the 23andMe health test, and she's both excited and anxious, all while recognizing the need for a strong support system, as this can be an emotionally triggering experience for many. Samantha's approach to preparing herself for the test It's extremely important, especially given her personal history. As she herself acknowledges, it's also very empowering to have control over your own information, with the choice to learn as much or as little as you'd like. That's the benefit of this experience. It's about you. It's up to you. Your DNA may be unbelievably small, but it's incredibly powerful. Samantha shares how mildly surprised she is by what she learns, but more importantly, how the experience has been giving her a lot to think about. Let's listen as Samantha shares her journey of discovery and how by learning more, she feels like she's winning. Check it out. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stefan Never Told You, production of iHeartRadio. episode is going to be a little different. Just so you know, this episode is sponsored by 23andMe. And as always, when it comes to companies and programs like these, make sure you're reading the fine print, know your options and your rights, and keep informed. Yes, definitely. I think that's a good take on all the things as I'm signing many papers right now for many other things. But yes, (laughs) uh, know your rights and things do change. So understand your rights, uh, keep informed and updated on, on all of it. Yes. That's the first warning. We also have a content warning, uh, mentions of childhood trauma and overall discussions of health and wellness. It's uh, We're not going to go too deep into them, but yes, I'm getting really personal, y'all. Mm-hmm. She is. So thank you, Annie, <laughs> for giving me the space. Oh, no. Thanks for being open with us. All right, here we go. Yeah, so it is a fairly special and uh, fairly personal episode. Again, this is what we do, right? Mm-hmm. I feel comfortable. You feel comfortable in sharing uh, these things with our peoples? 
<laughs> yes, perhaps too comfortable sometimes. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we just let it all out. We uh, do. <laughs> and y'all are still so patient with us, so thank you. Mm-hmm. But we are taking a moment to look into our own health traits and DNA, specifically mine. But again, before we talk about some of the information, let's talk about how we got ready for this episode. And I say we because Annie was absolutely uh, pivotal to me going, should I do this? Do you think I'm mentally healthy enough to do this? And will you support me? Yes, yes. (laughs) I hope you know, listeners, Samantha and I are legit friends. um, And we do look out for each other. And we do take that seriously. Because we know that, you know, you can really do yourself some harm in in this kind of medium when you're you're being so open and you're digging up these things. Um, And our very first thing that we started out doing was this mini-series on trauma. Right. And we had in like our check-ins and making sure like both of us are okay and that we're not doing ourselves harm um, right. by being open with this. So this it was very important to me when because I I knew you were interested in it and I know you'll talk about why uh, in a minute. But it was very important to me to be like, okay, if you're gonna do this, what is our game plan? Right. What are we gonna do to make sure that this is gonna be a healthy? non-traumatizing experience for you. (laughs) And yeah, as in fact, when I would take the test and send it off, we would do a check-in with each other. When I got the results, uh, we did a check-in and then you checked in again with me about a day later, like, how are you? I don't even know if it was Mm -hmm. a day later, like a few hours later, and how are you? And I think that's really important for us to talk about because uh, many of you already know when it comes to my identity, I have a lot of trauma surrounding it, as in fact, that was part of my therapy session I had when we did our trauma mini-series when I started on this podcast. And it's not unusual for adoptees, especially uh, transracial adoptees to seek out more information of their biological family. Um, And there's a lot of abandonment and attachment issues that come along with it. And with the advancements of these types of results in companies, people are able to dig a little bit for information when it comes to their ancestry, their family, and possible health traits. We've talked about personal experiences previously when we talked with uh, author Nicole Chung about her memoir, All We Can Ever Know. And, And for myself, a part of that journey has to include protecting my mental and emotional health. And uh, we all know therapy is something we talk about a lot on here. And also to go ahead and put this caveat, therapy is a privilege, but it is important to seek it out if you can. Um, And also finding a good therapist and finding a therapist that you uh, specializes in what you need. Mm -hmm. Very, very important. Very yeah. important. Um, and I will tell you, I did choose a therapist. If you all remember, when we did our trauma miniseries, that was one of the big things that we started out with as well, that both Annie and I would have therapeutic uh, sessions so that we could discuss the really heavy topics that we were talking about at that point in time. And Annie, I think you're still talking to that therapist, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. We loved her. And uh, I stepped back a little bit because I got too busy didn't have enough money, all those things. So I came back um, and researched a new therapist whom I found uh, through the world of interwebs, um, who is actually a transsexual adoptee herself. So I'm very glad to hear this. And she specializes in childhood trauma, is a woman of color. Uh, I believe she's Korean as well. So all of these check marks that I found, we had a beginning session and we had a phone conversation um, and everything is fit and aligned. And it was really nice and different to have a moment to be able to talk about my identity issues and her to fully understand 
and to kind of call it out. Because a lot of the times I've had many therapists who would be like, oh man, that's hard. How did mm-hmm. you react to that? Trying to figure out how to uh, respond to me. And because she kind of understood, she mm-hmm. knew how to. So it was really uh, interesting or refreshing. And it's a whole new turn for me because I've not had uh, an Asian woman being my therapist. I've had uh, a Black woman. And then I've had uh, a lot of white women who are my therapists. And so this is this is definitely a different experience. And um, I'm interested to see how far we can go. But yeah, we're going to be doing a lot of unpacking and trauma work. But I did also let her know at the very beginning, hey, I'm doing a thing with DNA uh, reports and I know this could be triggering for me because there's a lot of what ifs mm-hmm. in my head that I've been able to kind of ignore. But with these, I, I it gives me a way to research deeper. So we talked about that and why we're doing this. Yeah, I'm, I'm very curious and I was very curious. But also with that, I knew that I had trauma and triggers and I needed to recognize those as well. And I and the reason we wanted to talk about this, Annie, you were the one who came to, and I think sent me an article talking about how it can be traumatizing to discover new information. Yes. So that can come from this uh, types of reports. And I was very grateful. I was like, oh, dang. Yeah, that's true. And so we wanted to talk about and highlight that it is important to put yourself in a good place Mm-hmm. so that it doesn't uh, break you down. Right, right. And we're, you know, as we've been saying, we're very big proponents of that because I think for a lot of people, they might not consider that aspect of of getting a DNA report. And it's not like more information is good, right. um, but just being prepared that there could be things that you find out or that um, possibly possibilities that you're made aware of that maybe you weren't prepared for and maybe it can be, maybe it would be something that's triggering for you. So just like making sure, yes, you're in that good place or you've got a plan in place. You got right. a friend to support you and like, have your back. Because, um, you know, we're all about supporting women, supporting women and being there for each other. Um, and we also are just very <laughs> aware of like potential triggers and traumas on the show. I feel like we talk about it quite often. Right. And it's important because we've experienced it. And sometimes mm-hmm. having a name for what you're going through without realizing it is nice to be like, oh, again, uh, because I do recognize my triggers, uh, I'm able to prepare. So big events and discoveries can uh, undo some things for me. And therefore, being able to recognize like the physical tells mm-hmm. is really important uh, to prepare. And I say prepare in big ways. But yeah, information like this can give you a chance to take control of a few things, whether you're made aware of things, um, how you proceed with things, just overall life things, I guess, for me specifically. Um, And we're going to talk a little more about it in a second, but I made some headway in discovering a little history about my past, uh, including getting in contact with possible family members, distant relatives possibly. So a lot of things. And that could be traumatizing, especially for me. (laughs) Yes. Yes, yes, yes. As we know. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so that's a way that I did want to prepare and would tell people who are doing these types of reports uh, to to be aware uh, of your triggers and and be having a plan in place, whether it's to go to a supportive friend, taking breaks, taking naps, because I, I love naps. <laughs> Stuff like that is really important.
Now let's take a moment and listen to a story of how understanding your health begins with understanding what your genetics say about you. Natasha's 23andMe journey led her to an amazing reconnection with her dad. It was kind of like an out-of-body experience, you know, because um, meeting my father was my journey since I was maybe five or six years old. In your life, you meet people, even your spouse, your kids, but you never meet a person who's a mirror to yourself. To meet my father and just to look at him, look at his eyes, hear his voice, it's just an amazing experience that, you know, um, after 38 years of you imagining everything, you can't, you can't comprehend it. Natasha's 23andMe connection also helped her discover valuable insights into her health. The, the main um, health history I learned is that uh, my father has high blood pressure, right? And my mom has it too. And that to me just sends all kinds of alarms in my mind to say, hey, I am, you know, a high category of getting high blood pressure as well. So uh, my mission, you know, in order to make myself not, you know, become that category is to just make sure I eat healthy, you know, make sure I'm living a stress-free life as best as I can. 23andMe helped Natasha answer questions about her history and her health that have changed her life. If you're just feeling empty out there, I mean, just take them steps to, you know, get yourself better, answer your questions. And I would have felt that if I didn't take the steps that I needed, I would have always wondered, you know, not only for myself, but for my kids. So um, I think it's very important. Just check your health out, you know, live your good life, but you can live an even better life knowing you know, what you're fighting up against. This story was brought to you by 23andMe. Learn more about your ancestry and get personalized genetic insights into your health. Get started today at 23andMe.com. Y'all, it's, uh, I did get my report and going through it, it kind of made me laugh. Going through it kind of made me laugh. Um, again, like I said, I've been interested to learn about my background, about uh, digging into what can be emotionally taxing. But, you know, I wanted to find out a little more, get some healthy information um, and get a kind of a, a start of some of the things that I had no clue. So I have no access to. Mm -hmm. You all know I am a Korean adoptee, came into the U.S. when I was seven, lived in an orphanage for two to three years. Don't have a lot of information other than the information that was brought with me and given to my parents. I can't even remember the orphanage I was in. I'm sure my parents have that information. I was adopted through Holt International, and Holt International is the biggest adoption agency within Korea, as in fact, a majority of people probably were adopted through Holt International. And just for a little history on who Holt International Services were, it was created by Bertha and Harry Holt, uh, who actually adopted eight what they call war orphans themselves. So during this time, there were a lot of children out in the streets, as historically said, because they were uh, biracial, usually white soldiers with Korean women. And that brought a lot of shame. There was a lot of factors to this. Um, and so you saw a lot of orphaned young kids, young children. And they adopted eight, and from that, it kind of just grew into a large uh, service. 
that grew internationally. A huge amount of adoptees went to Norway, Denmark, Belgium, uh, the Netherlands, France, Switzerland, and Germany, and eventually into the U.S. We know a lot of Western uh, Christianity and religion kind of popped into play as well. And it was during this time, up to up until, I want to say, the 1990s, that international adoption like that, transracial adoption like that, was huge. And from what I gather, it was a pretty big money market for South Korea. Of course, there's a lot of backlash. No, there's a little bigger conversation about that and, and the trauma that it's caused. There's also this idea that a majority of the adoptees were young girls or girls or baby girls because the lineage and um, the patriarch essentially kind of trumped matriarchal lines. And it apparently can't be as traced when it comes to legacies and inheritances and such. So whole, all these things. Apparently, there was this whole print in what was called the Pound Pup Legacy uh, that was written in The Progressive, which was an article, I think, based in South Korea, talking about a lot of the effects and everything that happened, even talking about there was a steady supply of healthy children being shipped to this different, these different countries. There was also the same conversation and we've talked about it before when we talk about surrogacy, where women were told that they were just going to be cared for at these orphanages and then kind of tricked into signing over rights. So there's a lot of conversation. I know we heard that with Nicole Chung. She had a little conversation about how not everyone was informed on mm-hmm. what happened. And that right. happened a lot in in these kind of agencies. They're trying to do a lot more transparency when it comes to adoptions, but still a lot of questions uh, and a lot of ha- uh, things that had happened in the past where people can't reconnect. I will say, I believe Holt International had a service for adopted kids who grow up and want to find out about their families and having them travel back to South Korea. I have a distinct memory when I was in the orphanage of an older woman, a young woman coming back with her adoptive parents to visit the orphanage and kind mm-hmm. of looking back on her history. So that was interesting. I have very little memories. I remember her showing up and everybody being very excited about mm-hmm. that. Within that culture also was a really kind of sad, uh, which that I kind of uh, believed is that whole, like these girls, if they weren't adopted, uh, they would go into prostitution. That was the immediate reaction. And so we were mm-hmm. being saved from a world of prostitution. And not that that couldn't happen, but it was such a cautionary tale that was told to white Americans to save children that mm-hmm. it became a whole persona. And for me, I grew up hearing that, like, man, be grateful, be grateful. Mm-hmm. Because you could have lasted this way. And don't get me wrong, in that orphanage, I remember a lot of young girls who were aging out. Kind of a lot like the foster system here in the U.S. They were just aging out and no one was helping them. The government wasn't helping them. Uh, The people were not connecting people with them. Of course, it could be also that, you know, these young kids have been traumatized in the system and just want to be out. And Mm -hmm. so they try to rush out. So it was very interesting uh, to look at that history. But with that type of history, that also means things get lost in translation. So we would lose a lot of records. I was told that I did have chickenpox vaccine, that I actually did have measles at one point in time, um, and that that was about it. And, mm-hmm. uh, like, and, and then I was told that my parents were divorced um, and I was not allowed to live with my stepfather. So they gave me to uh, my grandmother because my stepfather, my real biological father was not able to care for me. And then after that, 
she took me to the orphanage because she couldn't care for me either. So those are the things that I remember distinctly as being told my history. But outside of that, I don't have anything. I don't know. I have a picture of what I thought was my brother. But again, I have in and out dreams that are not necessarily true, all these things um, that came with me. So having this kind of breakdown was interesting. So let me talk about that because now that I'm giving you the sad history (laughs) of adoption Mm -hmm. and my life, I know Mm -hmm. everybody wants to hear about that. So according to my 23andMe Ancestry Composition Report, I am 100% that Korean, (laughs) (laughs) or at least uh, very highly likely. And uh, according to the rundown of the report, it really says 100% Korean. So I don't know if you've been able to look at these reports or view these reports. It has kind of a color wheel and it tells you kind of the breakdown of ancestry or DNA uh, breakdown. Of course, it changes apparently with more and more people get reports or uh, take on the 23andMe and actually send in their kit. Um, So the overall breakdown was interesting and made me take a deeper look at, at my own history. So the way, the way it breaks down, it shows me the different administrative regions. So it says, quote, South Korea has 16 administrative regions, and we found the strongest evidence of your ancestry in the following nine regions. So the top five is one is Seoul, second is Jeollabuktu, three is Jeollanamdu, and then four is Busan, and then and then five is Chunchiangbuktu. So it's really interesting. I, I did like reading these, and now I want to go and research it more because those mm-hmm. regions are not so... Of course, I know Seoul. I also know Busan. I was told Sungnam City, and I think that's in the region of Seoul. So mm-hmm. I, I, I'm interested in seeing that to be able to see those regions um, as well. And like I said, I did try to contact someone who's like fifth removed cousin mm-hmm. because I found out they were adopted as well. And they live in the States. So there's a chunk of people that live in the States. And several of the people that I went through that had connections or it shows as possible relatives for me that mm-hmm. has that list, uh, several of them were adopted. So that says a lot to me. And I didn't understand the history behind that. And I want to learn more because mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, uh, this seems to be so common. I wonder why. Mm-hmm. And so there's a whole breakdown. Of course, I also did my cyber stalking and went yeah. through like Facebook, trying to find them, Instagram, try- LinkedIn was a big one. <laughs> um, but I just reached out to the one person because it turned out she and I had been adopted the same year. Mm-hmm. And I really kind of wanted to see if we could connect. Haven't made it beyond that other than we mm-hmm. shared each other, like as in like we confirmed and I guess you can friend them is the best way I can think of it. As like in Facebook, you can friend them. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I don't know. We'll see. But it's there. Yeah. And there's an option there. And it it was nice to know that I had an option with that. So, mm-hmm. listeners, if I go beyond, I'll let you know. Let <laughs> yes, me know. keep us updated. But, yes. But, uh, so moving on, we want to talk about the health and traits reports. And I didn't know what exactly to expect since uh, my background and my ancestry is a big mystery for me. But looking through the reports, uh, I was mildly surprised. Um, and just for reference, in the, t- in the reports, the way it's phrased when you see it, it's, it is, quote, variance not detected, typical likelihood, slightly increased risk, and increased likelihood. So that's kind of how they report it. Mm -hmm. So in my report, type 2 diabetes was at an increased likelihood with it being at a 42% range. So it gives you kind of a range of compared to others, how likely, and also states with it that overall it can depend on different factors, which is always important to remember because 
for me, I, ha- I get my yearly physical exam uh, with the blood works. Of course, that helps our insurance stuff. Um, and I know that I'm in a good place right now, but we'll mm-hmm. definitely have to keep a close watch on it because things change and your age and that all factors in as well. Yes. And it's also worth noting that, according to the CDC, for women, quote, diabetes increases the risk of heart disease, the most common diabetes complication by about four times in women, but only about two times in men. And women are also at a higher risk of other diabetes-related complications, such as blindness, kidney disease, and depression. Right. I didn't actually know those statistics uh, until after I started my research. I was like, okay, let's see what this is about. I want to dig deeper and just being able to get and attain this information is good. And I was like, oh, wow, I, I, did, I didn't know that women were at higher risk. I feel like there's other factors that we need to talk about in that, but, you know, we'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it also says uh, in the CDC report that it's, quote, different among women, African-American, Hispanic, Latina, American Indian, Alaska Native, and Asian Pacific Islander women are more likely to have diabetes than white women, which, of course, being an Asian woman, that's good for me to know. Yes. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Also in that increased likelihood category was coronary artery disease, which Smindy has talked about before as it can present differently in women um, than men. But also something to remember, um, according to the CDC, quote, heart disease is sometimes thought of as a man's disease. Almost as many women as men die each year of heart disease in the United States. Um, And not knowing my history, that is something that I definitely want to keep in check. And I'm glad to know of this because right now, again, everything was great with my blood work this year, but things change swiftly. Mm-hmm. Things change in, in when it comes to uh, health-wise. So I, I want to know these things. And so being able to be informed of yeah. that feels like I'm winning. Yeah. <laughs> isn't that, isn't nice. that how we do this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and for many, the BRCA1 or the breast cancer gene and BRCA2 can be alarming. As it states on the 23 million reports, uh, specific genetic variants in the BRCA1 and BRCA2 genes are associated with increased risks of developing certain cancers, including breast cancer in women and men and ovarian cancer. And also, they, they do have a great disclaimer about this, and I do, I do want to read it off. The 23andMe BRCA1 and BRCA2 genetic health risk report is intended for use in adults to report three genetic variants in the BRCA1 and BRCA2 genes associated with a higher risk of developing breast, ovarian, and prostate cancer. Report does not include variants in other genes linked to hereditary cancers, not intended to diagnose any disease or tell you about your overall risk of developing a disease, not intended to be used to determine any treatments, and results should be confirmed in clinical settings before taking any medical action, and is not a substitute for visits to healthcare professionals for recommended screens or appropriate follow-up, which I think is really, really crucial to know. Again, this is not a tool for you to just bank your decisions on, but just a way for you to Mm -hmm. be like, hmm. Let me go check this out and get more information. I think it's smart for any and all of these uh, traits being reported, even though it's a likelihood that, yes, I still will go and check it out with a doctor. Mm -hmm. Just as a reminder. And for me, myself, the report showed zero variants detected. 
But again, a good reminder from the report, however, more than 1,000 variants in the BRCA1 and BRCA2 genes are known to increase cancer risk, so you can still have a variant not included in this test. In addition, most cases of breast and ovarian cancers are not caused by inherited variants, so women without a variant are still at risk of developing these cancers. It's important to continue with any cancer screenings your healthcare provider recommends. And yes, I will absolutely be going to my screenings when it's time to squish the boobies. That's how I see it. (laughs) As they say, the technical (laughs) term, I'm pretty sure. Yes, and as you said, I think, you know, being informed and getting that more information and being clear on what that information means is, is so key. My family does have a history of breast cancer. So the women in our family especially are always like, make sure you get tested, make sure you do this and make sure you check for this and kind of having that in the back of of my mind that it is something that I need to, to keep an eye on. And I think that is incredibly important. Right. As we all should. So these were some of the health things that we did want to talk about and that came up uh, when I did get my report. But there's some other interesting things of note from this report. Uh, the wellness report indicates that I am likely to flush as an alcohol flush reaction. So uh, this is not news to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as I discovered this when I first started drinking and I was like, whoa, what is happening? And I had to research about what was happening. And I was like, this is this is really mean <laughs> of my genetics to tell on me. <laughs> so I was like, okay, they, okay, this one's okay. And mm-hmm. then the next one was a muscle composition. So it's common in elite power athletes. I really wish someone would let my muscles know that this is supposedly something that is a trait. And the report states, quote, studies have found that almost all elite power athletes, including sprinters, throwers, and jumpers, have a specific genetic variant in a gene related to muscle composition. You have the same genetic variant as these athletes. That is is not an obvious to me. And I'm very sad that I can't say that's an obvious to me. I really (laughs) wish it were. Uh, But I was like, I'm just going to gloat about it anyway, even though it's not... physically seen here. Mm -hmm. Um, And according to the traits report, I am, quote, more likely to be able to match a musical pitch, more likely than average to have had a bunion, more likely than average to be afraid of heights. It is very true. Likely bitten by mosquitoes more often than others. This explains a lot between you and I, Annie. And likely to wake up around 7.44 a.m. I have not put that to the test, but I kind of want to check and see if I feel better for some reason. But, you know, whatever. I mm-hmm. thought those were all very interesting. They're very specific. Yeah. And I want to know more. And they mm-hmm. all made me laugh a little bit and giggle a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I thought it makes me feel superior to have said, I may have had a bunion more before you. Ew. That makes you feel more superior. <laughs> oh, no. I, you know what? Good for you. <laughs> uh, so there you go. This has given me a lot to think about. It has been really interesting to read and has led me to do some more research for the sake of my health and my ancestry. And I'm glad to have had this information on hand. And yeah, yeah, I I, I, I keep digging. And as in fact, I got a new alert from 23andMe saying that, hey, here's another trait you might not know about. So it keeps updating, I believe, uh, as it continues with other kits being uh, sent in. So I'll keep you informed of anything new. Yes, please do. And thank you for sharing this with us, thank Samantha. Thank you for letting me. Oh, <laughs> so much love. So much love on this show. Well, listeners, if you have any thoughts about what we talked about today, 
You can always email us. You know we love to hear from you. Our email is stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at Stuff I Never Told You. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. Thank you, Christina. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And that's it on another dope show. Did this episode inspire you to take a closer look at your health history, your genetic makeup? Who knew DNA could reveal so much about our past while also holding the keys to certain health insights that may impact our future? I continue to be inspired by these stories, and I hope you do as well. Catch you next time. Listen to Spit, an original podcast from iHeartRadio and 23andMe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.